All right, hey everybody, welcome back. It's Luke here, and uh, today I'm going to talk about a little bit, maybe a maybe a touchy subject, but it's something I think really needs to be addressed. I think it's something that uh, comes up quite a bit uh, along with training, and um, I think we should should just uh, just uh, discuss it because I think. If you can get a handle on this, which I think affects more people than we'd like to admit, I think a lot of good things can happen happen with your happen with your training. So, uh, you know, as I write this, we are it's oof, gosh, it's already mid July, um, but we're in the we're in the build up for the fall marathon season. If you're running an early October race, we're run we're six well at this point we're probably closer to eight weeks in. Uh, more advanced runners are cranking into the workouts while beginners really just kind of starting with the with the speed and stuff so regard but regardless of the level that you're at it's it's far too early to be complaining about the dreaded cumulative fatigue right so what i mean by that is if you're like eight weeks in nine weeks in and you still have eight to ten weeks left you should not be in cumulative fatigue yet that's way too soon um and yet we see it all the time like people are just dragging dragon butt right like they're just they're struggling um and it's you know it's probably like in the summer it's probably a combination of things that we you know we talk about all the time you know it's weather you know training too hard a lot of different things right so it, it can be and this is what makes this conversation a little bit more tough because a lot of times it's hard to discern what is actually going on um but in any case it's a tough spot to be in with there when there's that long left to go um and you know honestly in the facebook group somebody said well you know i'm pushing the paces and i feel great blah 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 oh i'm tired i'm tired because i'm running so much but i'm pushing the paces and you know i made the comment basically like well 10 weeks left is a long time like in the in this training plan 10 weeks is 10 weeks to go the last 10 weeks is an eternity that is an incredibly long time and there's no way you can compare that last 10 weeks to the first eight weeks, especially if you are in the beginner plan, right? Because you're spending four weeks just running easy mileage and then you're just gradually building into workouts. And then by the time you get to 10 weeks to go, you're doing strength workouts, you're doing big tempo runs, you're doing your biggest long runs, your mileage is at the highest, and you gotta do that for two and a half months, right? So there's, there is there is no comparison. It's like it's like saying the halfway of the marathon is really 13 miles. There's not, that's not true at all. You know, it's much, much further, much further. Um, but in any case, but it, it's a long way to be in a position where things aren't going to get better, right? Like if you're tired now and you still have two and a half months to go, realistically to say that's not going to get better if you just continue on the same path that you are, right? And that's the point I'm trying to make here. But um, like I said, anything. Uh, like anything in life, it's usually not just one thing that's causing the issue, but a combination of things. And but I do think that if we can fix one thing, a lot of times that leads into the another thing. You know, being fixed at the same time leads to all, multiple things being fixed at the same time, and you can see improvements. And so when you look at this situation where people are being too fatigued way too soon into the program, um, we said well, like we said before it's training too hard not adjusting for the heat and then the third one is under fueling i truly truly think that people are under fueling way more than they think that they are um and over the years i've addressed training too hard not adjusting for heat i'm not going to do that again i want to focus mostly on the underperforming and I'll, I'll reference some of those blogs below but 
for now, I just really want to focus on the underfueling and the consequences of not fueling for the work. And the reason why I say that it's it's more prevalent than I think people think it is, is just based on when like when somebody signs up for coaching with us, we offer them a free, basically nutrition consult. Like I'm a nutrition nutritionist. Uh, Nikki's been Nikki, my wife is a nutritionist, and so what they'll do is well they can they can get a free consult usually with her, and um, we look at what they're eating versus what they're training looks like right and you would well you might not be surprised but like how many people are grossly under eating and thinking that they actually need to cut more calories right or think that they need to stop eating carbohydrates or stop whatever the case is right but a lot of times it's like you know they think that they can train for a marathon run 60 miles a week and do it on 1800 calories a day and that's not i'll be honest with you, this is not going to happen right and so and then you see that you see it all the time like performance has plateaued they're always injured they're sick all the time whatever the case is right sometimes all of those things um and so that just leads me to think that they're grossly under under fueling um and the thing that makes it tough is the symptoms of under fueling versus overtraining often look a lot alike right so um so some of them i mean i all the research i did there was there was a lot i mean you could find like 20 different symptoms right but i'll just focus on what i see as a coach uh the most often right so the first one is lack of energy right this is definitely to me the most common it's also most likely to get confused with overtraining right you're training hard it's hot out you just think that that's those are the culprits right and a lot of times too is you don't feel like eating with that, right? You just don't, you don't feel like, which is actually the second one, so I won't get ahead of myself. Um, but if you're dragging and you're only a few weeks into the training or even two months, where especially with the beginner plan, right? If you're two months in and all you've done is kind of built your volume up and you just started workouts and you're already complaining that it, it's too hard, this is probably the first thing I would look at is if you're eating enough food, right? And making sure that you're fueling properly. Um, and it's a good, but to me, it's a good chance that underfueling is definitely playing a part, right? The other things can play a part too, but I think this would be the major, the major culprit. The second thing I kind of led into insatiable hunger or no appetite at all. Many times you'll see people who are training for a marathon for the first time and they're eating everything in sight. And at that point, at any point of the day, right? And to me, those years are usually, those are usually newer runners and they've never been in this position before. And so they've never been in a, they've never been in a spot where maybe they were under fueling or maybe they were actually fairly close to keeping that balance uh, when they were just running you know, 20 miles a week for their 5K or whatever the case is, they were, they were keeping it pretty close. But now all of a sudden they're running 30, 40 miles a week and they're eating the same amount of food. Now they're grossly under fueling, right? And so now their body's reacting by eating everything in sight. And so they might actually put a little bit of weight on whatever the case is, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but you just, that's actually probably good that they're actually, if they're actually feeding that hunger, then it's probably good. The second thing you'll see is actually no appetite. And we talked about that a little bit, right? So more, I think when people are more chronically underfueled, you know, say for months or years, even then they just kind of lose that appetite. I feel like they kind of get that. Um, I saw a term for it the other day, like the, the starvation adaptation. And so, from my understanding is basically like you starve yourself to a certain point, not necessarily, but you're, you know, if you need 2000 calories and you're used to, and you just eat 1500 cal calories a day, no matter what, the starvation effect kind of kicks in and it just kind of slows your metabolism down so that you can actually match that. But the problem with that is then ultimately your performance is going to be hindered. And then uh, it's going to be very hard to either gain or lose weight because your metabolism is all jacked up. All right. So, um, so they, but a lot of times you'll see with they are probably more likely to suppress that feeling of hunger or just not have that feeling of hunger because they're just 
so used to it that their brain has just you know adapted to that. Um, the third one is nagging injuries or injuries that are slow to heal, right? So they, I'll see it, I'll see it a lot of times where people are chronically getting injured, or they'll come in and they'll be like, I, I, I missed my last marathon, I was injured, and then you kind of dig into their 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 history, and it's always something that breaks up the consistency. It's always something that, um, you know, not severe, but it's just always something that their body breaks down and they have to either adjust their plan. They have to take two weeks off at the, the most uh, poor time to be able to do it, whatever the case is, right? So, um, or if they get that injury, something that maybe should take like a week to heal, maybe it takes a month to heal, right? Something like that. So a lot of times that is due to not fueling enough, not giving your body the nutrients it needs in order to actually heal itself. Same thing with frequent illness, like you, supp- you can suppress the immune system, all those things, very susceptible to developing things like colds and flu and whatever the case is, right? So, but whether it's injury or illness or both, they can't stay healthy and, and a person can't stay healthy. Like you see it all the time, like as soon as we ramp up somebody's training, they're hurt again. Or they were doing well with training for uh, lower volume and then they just jump up the training again and they get hurt again, right? And it's like, it doesn't even matter how slow you take it or how you know how you spread it out it just it, regardless of how you attempt it they seem to get they seem to get hurt and then the next thing you see is a gradual loss in performance right so and this is again one of those things that would be we would say would be a factor in in overtraining but uh, it's also if you're not fueling yourself with enough eventually you're going to lose that ability to perform or you just have that loss in performance too because you were always coming back from an injury or illness or something like that but um, a lot of people will assume that they are in cumulative fatigue when they get to this point but you got to remember the, the main point with cumulative fatigue is that yes you're tired but your performance doesn't change right you're still able to hit your workouts your easy runs are probably a little bit slower but overall your workouts are fine. You know, you might be sore and stiff the first mile or so into a 10 mile tempo, but you warm up and, and you hit the pace and you and you find out and then you get done and you're like, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought, but then the next day you're tired and sore again, right? But overall that performance stays the same. But um, the bottom line is feeling like crap and then getting slower is not cumulative fatigue. That's something that's either overtraining or underfueling for the most part. And, and the truth is, Underfueling is probably the source of the under the overtraining, right? And I would argue that um, I would argue that it's overtraining brought on by not being fueled enough, right? So, why is it so important to avoid this? I think I know that's an obvious obvious thing, but while for the short term, like a few days, you know, like if you're in cal- caloric deficit, you know, the the day of a race, uh, maybe not a marathon, but you know, like a 10k or 5k or something like that kind of can actually kind of help you right can help actually help you run a little bit faster but uh you don't want to be that way in training for very long um you know and unfortunately you see this with with uh with women's running where they'll even you know maybe even have a season of lower caloric intake or uh you know maybe back at least back in the day like i i do think i i will say this i think that that culture has changed a tremendous amount, right? So, I mean, I was at, when I was at Central Michigan, uh, 
it, it was weird. It was, uh, you know, there was definitely, you know, kind of that fit, fit don't fly mentality a little bit, uh, maybe even with the guys team a little bit. Um, but then actually one, one of the, the women athletes uh, had a very serious problem and, and actually passed away. And after that, uh, things changed drastically. You know, and it's, it's so sad that it took that to change the culture, but it did. And I think overall in, the, in terms of everywhere in the, in the U.S. and the collegiate system and, and, and even further beyond that, I think you're seeing the importance of, you know, there's a, there's a way to lose weight that's not starving yourself and it's not it's not even necessarily losing weight it's more about just changing body composition right so if you're at 20 percent body fat and you want to get to 15 percent body fat we don't need to lose 10 pounds of we don't need to starve ourselves and lose muscle too we just need to figure out how we burn the body fat and you actually even maintain the muscle and a lot of times the weight won't change but the body composition does and that's really kind of what we're, we're looking for so i got off track a little bit there but um, but you'd see it. I always see it. And actually coach Al and I were talking about this, um, with Michigan state and, and how, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago, they, the girls, the girls team won NCAAs. And, you know, you look back at that pictures from that and those girls were very, very thin and then they ran great, which it sucks because it propels them to do it more. Right. And so that's the thing, like short term, you may see a lot of success, but, on the other hand, none of those girls even really made it to the track season because they were all hurt. And unfortunately, you look now, and their their bodies will probably never be what they would have been if they hadn't done that to their metabolism, things like that, right? So it's a very dangerous road to go down. And it's something like if you don't have complete control and you don't view food as a certain way, then it's going to wreak havoc, right? And it's not something I would even mess with, right? Um, you know, it's like, like I use my, my, my brother-in-law is a bodybuilder and, uh, you know, he views food strictly as fuel the vast majority of the time. Right. Um, and so he can turn it on and turn it off as he needs to, uh, depending on where he's at for a competition. Right. So if he's like, actually today he's competing for, um, in a professional bodybuilding show and it's like the last two weeks. Yeah. He's a complete a-hole because he doesn't eat any carbs for two for you know like two or three weeks, whatever the case. Is. I don't really follow the world, but um, but then in any case, like as soon as he's done with that show, he's eating everything he can. Like he can change his body. Like when he's depending on where he's at in a show, and it takes him you know six months or something like that to to, to train full cycle for a show, and he will literally go and just bulk up, get as big as he possibly can, and then by the time he gets to the show he's probably 75 pounds lighter, um, but he's just super toned and obviously very, very muscular. But as soon as that's, as soon as that's done, he, that switch in his brain turns off and he's eating normal again, right? Um, so if you can't do that and you kind of have those, those negative views on food, then you probably have serious, a little bit more serious issues, right? And you probably, it's probably beyond the scope of this for um, discussion and you probably would want to seek seek some help, right? And so, but that's the key, right? Like if long-term, it's not good. And I mean, the, the least of your worries is that performance will decrease and you'll find yourself in a position where you plateau out um, and you start seeing those things, you're getting injuries, getting the illnesses. And then what I see a lot of times too is like people will 
hit that plateau, they don't really look at the food part of it because what they do eat is very healthy, right? But they just don't eat enough of it. Um, and so they're in their mind that they think, well, I need to train harder. And a lot of times it's not. And a lot of times you'd probably be better if you just ate more and backed off a little bit and let your body adapt and, and you see a lot of much better performances. But, but that's the point. You usually, what ends up usually happening is you chase poor performance with harder training instead of looking at, was I fueling properly? Was I eating enough during the day? You know, all these things, right? And so, and it's hard too because a lot of times when you, when you get into that position where you are chronically underfueled, but you're still kind of bloated, and that's so you see like, oh, I'm still, I, I, I don't, my body doesn't look the way I want it to. And like, you know, it's a, you know, it's a crappy example, but you have to look at the, like, you see those infomercials for those, those kids in Africa, right? With the big bellies, they're, they're clearly starving to death. So why do they have these big bellies, right? Like it's, it's just this, not enough food is not their pro- like not enough food is their problem. Not that they're eating too much, right? And that's the, how you have to you kind of have to look at it too. So, um, but main point here is that the poor performance usually is fuels harder training, and it just sets the cycle for more food being needed that's not being taken in, right? And so. It's, it's a vicious cycle to go down. So how it happens, you know, I have a few ideas here. Unintentional undereating. That's when a person signs, it's like when a person, like I said, when a, sorry, when a person signs up for coaching, we offer the nutrition guide. So I already went over that, but uh, I feel like more times than not, a person has no idea what amount of food they should actually be eating. And sometimes it's not even about adding more stuff to their diet. It's more about just fueling for their workouts and long runs. Like they're, you know, doing a pre- tempo run and maybe like a gel or you know a shake or something like that actually fueling during the workout and then doing the window snack with the protein and carbs afterwards if they just did that a lot of times their problems would go away um, so that's the first thing that I would would look at and um, a lot of times if you can just do that it bumps them up much more into a sustainable range you're not into that big deficit second thing is you're not recognizing actually caloric not actually recognizing <laughs> sorry, not recognizing your actual caloric needs. So on the flip side, so some people are very receptive to that. Other people are not very receptive to that. And they're like, no, 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 no. I only need 1800 calories. This is what so-and-so told me. And that might be fine if you're going to Orange Theory three days a week. That's not fine if you're running 40, 50, 60 miles a week and training for a marathon. You're going to need more calories, right? And in, in most people, if you... We see a lot of people eating less than 2,000 calories a day who don't think that they need more calories to sustain what they're trying to do for training, right? And that's that's a very tough spot to be in. And it's, it's, it puts us in a tough spot too because it's a big red flag for us, honestly. Like if somebody's not willing to recognize that, that's a big red flag for coaching for us. Like are they how coachable are these people actually going to be? But that's another, that's another story. But if you find yourself in that position, I would take a hard look at like, okay, do the math on what you're actually burning for workouts and what you need to survive during the day. Are you taking anywhere near that um, to, to actually maintain that balance? Third thing is trying to lose weight. I know it's it seems counterproductive, but training for a marathon is not always the best way to lose weight, right? Because you need the fuel to perform. So if we're scaling that back, uh, then we're taking away from the fuel. And then we ultimately what happens is we're, we're, we're losing stuff that we don't want to lose, right? We're losing muscle mass. We're losing bone density, things like that. The things that we want to keep, we end up losing. And we keep the fat because our body's like, hey, 
I need the fat to survive because we're in starvation mode, right? So that's a tough, tough spot to be in. Um, I think early on in a training segment, if you're going to just take a, like a two to three, four weeks segment where you're not, you're just kind of more building base uh, and you kind of go into a slight deficit every day and burn, you know, three, four, five pounds, that's one thing. But if you're trying to lose, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds and your, your goal is to do it by training for a marathon, probably not the best best option. Next thing I see is the fear of carbohydrate, uh, which is unfortunate, you know, and I always get pushed back for this, but you, you have to have carbohydrate. Like you, you have to have carbohydrate, you have to have fat, you have to have protein, right? That's, they're, they're there for a reason. Your body needs them. Um, and if you're going to do something, if you're going to do something that burns a lot of carbohydrate, then you need to replace that carbohydrate, right? Um, going back to what I said for unintentional undereating, a lot of times it's more about adding more carbohydrate. It's not necessarily adding more carbohydrates to your diet. So if a person's like 50% carbohydrate in their general diet, you know, their breakfast, their lunch, their dinner, their, their general snacks, that's probably fine, right? But if they're, that same person is not fueling for them, fueling during their workouts, that's where the problem comes into. Like if you can fuel during the workouts with the carbohydrate and do it at the rates that you need, so at least bare minimum 30 grams an hour of carbohydrates, preferably 60 plus, um, you're gonna get a lot of calories from carbohydrates. You know, you can take 60 times, you know, four and a half, and it's gonna give you a significant, you know, it's a few hundred calories right there that you're gonna get extra, that's gonna add to your overall percentage of carbohydrate per day, but it's not gonna mess with your overall diet. It's not going to mess with what you're eating for dinner, what you're eating for lunch, that type of thing, right? So that's the, that's the important thing to keep in mind, right? You can boost your carbohydrate intake, but not necessarily have to change what you're eating in your general diet. A lot of times it's just what, you, what you're fueling with, or if you're not fueling at all, or if you're not fueling enough, um, you know, and again, that goes into what you're doing pre, during, and after, right? So if you're doing the pre and during, you're getting those carbohydrates that you need, and then afterwards you're getting the, you know, the protein and the carb, a lot of times that caloric deficit will go away. Um, so I think that you have to really, really look at what you're doing for, for that situation. Um, what to do if you suspect that you're in this situation, right? And if you're suspecting it, you know, your performance is declining, you know, all the things we just talked about. But at the core of the problem, obviously, you don't, you don't have enough calories left over after you exercise to fully support your physiological function, right? And so that's, you know, organ function, your breathing, living, you know, you know, those things are gonna be affected, right? Um, so when you take that out and you look into those, all those variables, we're looking at basically two separate things. We're looking at the amount of work you're doing and the amount of calories you're taking. And those are the two things that we can adjust for, you know? So the reality is we probably are gonna have to adjust both of these areas for some time, right? And so the question becomes, should I track my calories? And so I, I personally, I loathe, I loathe it tracking calories. I, it's not super accurate. It's not something that is necessarily practical and it can be very wide variation um, on, on what's actually in something that you eat, right? And so, um, so I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't I don't think I ever have my athletes actually track their calories except for when we do the actual consultation with them, right? Because we have to have something to look at. Um, 
but so so like I said, if you if you really want to see what's going on, I don't think it's a bad idea. You know, something like My Fitness Pal. I do have my athletes do that just to kind of like if we want to do a little log check to see what they're eating. And a lot of times for me personally, it's not even really about the calories that I'm looking. at. I'm just seeing what they're eating, right? Like, and we can point. A lot of times you can just point out what they're eating and if they're eating enough of it, right? So it's not even necessarily the cal- caloric intake that I'm that I'm talking about. But so let's say you start tracking My Fitness Pal, whatever. The, I mean, I know there's a million out there. You can easily track your, but my fitness pal is nice because you can track, you can sync your Strava, your Garmin, or whatever, and you can so you can have all your activity in there with your food intake, right? And it'll actually show you like what, how many calories you have left over, how many calories you're in a deficit for, right? And if it's something like a hundred calorie deficit, like that's that you could you could chalk that up to differences in accounting for carb, carbohydrates. Whatever, I'm not going to worry about that. But where I would be worried is if I see drastic differences, especially negative differences. Um, you know, six, 700 calories a day. And then there's never really a day where that's made up. Right. And so um, that's something that I think if you see that red flag, then that's something we can, we can address. And then once we, so once we have that, we got to make a decision, right? So if you let's say you go do that, you do a three day log and you're seeing, man, I'm, I'm like 700 calories short every day. Okay, and I feel like crap. I feel like an injury is coming on. My performance sucks. What do I do, right? So the the truth is, you're probably gonna have to reduce your volume and your intensity that you're running, right? So I know it's gonna suck if you're full full on marathon training and you're in this situation, but you have to weigh what the consequences of not doing it are, right? And so um, while I realize that's a blow to your soul immediately, I think the long-term positive changes that will come from this far outweighs what you might have to do for this training segment, right? I think that's how you have to look at it. Um, you know, and I'm not necessarily taking, say, take all that time off. I'm saying you've got to give yourself some time to um, just run short, run easy. If you, if you can just run easy, for you know, 30 minutes, that's going to go a long way in maintaining fitness. I know it doesn't seem like it, but you know, go back to some of our blogs on how fast you actually lose fitness when you're doing something versus when you're doing nothing. And then look at how fast it actually comes back compared to what the old adage is. And it's significantly different. So I know it might suck, but it's something I think if you're really serious about being the best performer you are, and, and, and not even that, just being generally healthy, living a good, healthy life, um, I think you have to, you really have to consider doing this, right? And if, if that's something you're not willing to do, then you probably can just stop listening or reading this anyway. Um, so, uh, like I said, even if you were to take a week off, your fitness loss would be negligible. If you simply reduce the volume and ran easy for a week, you probably won't lose any fitness and you'll actually probably start to feel a little bit better. And I personally think that that is a win-win. Um, and the second part of that is obviously the calories per day. This can be a struggle if you're the type of person who runs so that you can eat. And then when I tell you to back off running, at the very you know, don't don't cut the volume back too. Don't if you're cutting the volume back on the running, don't cut the volume on the food, right? We want to keep the food intake high, right? So we we want to make that a, a net positive on the caloric intake, not a, keeping it a net negative. Um, and so you'll see that like potentially with a reduction of calories being burned, you. Um, your body can start to restore balance. So you can see that it's a two-pronged attack, right? We're gonna have to maintain, at the very least, maintain caloric intake and reduce volume. Um, 
and then and then see how that goes after a few a few days at the very least but honestly it's going to be more than that probably um so if you can find a way to take a reduction training boost your caloric intake with something nutrition again i don't think it, for most people i don't think it's gonna have to be crazy i think it's more like just can you add a few hundred calories i mean once in a while we'll see somebody who we say okay we're looking at your training you need 2500 calories a day you say you're eating 1500 calories a day some of that i don't necessarily agree i think probably the person's like well they're i'm keeping track of it so i'm gonna be super good or they underreport what they're eating. So a lot of times I think that, that caloric intake is actually probably higher than what's being reported. And that's another reason why I don't necessarily like caloric reporting or daily tracking or whatever. That, you know, I, I think there's a lot of error um, involved there. But like I said, it shows you what you're eating. My point is, if you can add a little bit, even if it's just more fruit during the day, more veggies during the day, adding a snack here and there. If you just ate your three squares a day, you didn't eat any snacks, try eating two snacks a day. Or try doing a nutrition shake with you know, a high quality whey protein and um, some fruit before bed. That can actually help preserve muscle mass and actually boost metabolism, boost hormone production, which you would ultimately boost your metabolism, all those good things. So there's simple, simple things that you can do that over time will yield very significant results. And that's the big thing. Small changes over time is usually the best bet. It might not be perfect. It doesn't even have to be perfect. It just has to be something. And all we're really doing is just looking to get better at it. Okay? So that's the thing I want you to take away from that. Ultimately, our goal is to be healthy. Our goal is to train consistently. And a side, side factor of that would be to actually perform better, right? Like if we can do all that and feel better and then actually run faster, that's always a good thing too. So how long will it take for this to happen and that's going to depend right that's going to depend on how honest you are with yourself how coachable you are even if you're your own coach um, how severe the problem is how quickly you can adapt change how long the deficiency has existed right if you're usually if you're one of those people who um, are you know ramping up your miles and you just don't eat um, you probably see changes pretty quick but if you've chronically held back on calories for months and years it's going to be a significant amount of time that this is going to have to be restored right so um but that's a lot of things those are a lot of factors odds are it's not going to be a couple days probably be a few weeks like not saying you can't train but it's going to have to definitely be reduced and you're going to have to make sure that that balance is made and actually have probably a little bit more than what you are burning right so if you need you know 2200 calories a day you probably need to make sure you're getting 23 2400 calories a day right so something like that um, you know, for women, it can take six months or longer for regular menstruation to return. For men, it can be the same amount of time for bone density to return. So it can be a, quite a long time. And I think that the thing you have to consider is if it's worth, is it worth to you keep digging a hole that you're not getting out of and you're actually, you know, it's not getting better or, and is it worth the hundreds of thousands of dollars in race fees, gears, travel, just so that you can continue to be frustrated, continue to be injured continue to be sick, wonder why you're doing this, you know, all that, keep your overall health in jeopardy. Is that worth it? Or do we take the time now and fully invest in your health and in performance? I would think that the latter would be better. Um, the easiest thing, of course, is to avoid the situation, um, right? That's always, hindsight is always 2020, right? If you're usually okay, but you don't seem to ramp up the nutrition with what your training needs when you go from, you know, maybe your base building to your, 
marathon training, that's a completely different situation. You're in a much better position to write the ship much sooner. Um, take the time to really look at what you need. Determine if you're fueling yourself pre, during, post-workout. Make any tweaks you need to. It might only be a couple weeks where you just kind of reduce everything, scale back your workouts, things like that. You might, yep, you might bounce back in a couple weeks. Um, but for today, I think two last things I want to touch on, right? So one, if you take an honest assessment with where you're at, but you're in denial of how serious the consequences can be, I urge you to, you know, this is beyond the scope of this this for, for sure. And I urge you to seek professional guidance. I know there's people out there deal, and I know there's runners out there that deal strictly with, you know, disordered eating and those types of things. But this is really meant for people who just aren't sure what's going on, right? They're not sure if they're overtraining or what, and then they can't figure things out. This is what, this is who this is for. Um, it wasn't meant to cure any disordered eating, and so you have to take that with a grain of salt. Secondly, overtraining is often the combination of training too fast for the workout, under recovery, meaning easy days too hard, too many workouts too close together, and poor sleep habits, things like that. And then lastly, under fueling, right? So is overtraining a real thing or is overtraining a byproduct of underdoing these other things, right? And I would argue underfueling, under recovering, doing, trying to do um, too many workouts too soon. Those are the real sources of the overtraining and that the overtraining that you're feeling is just a symptom of all of those things. Um, and the vast majority of people I work with, they can handle the work that's scheduled, right? They can, they can do it, they know how to do it. They just struggle with getting the other facets down. And if you can, if you can get those facets down and you can, and you can take a good look at those things, are you truly getting what you need to support your training and fix what's not being met, then I really think good things will happen with your running, right? But the bottom line is if you're, if you're a third of the way, even a half of the way through an 18-week marathon cycle and you're really dragging your behind, um, that should not be the case and that shouldn't be cumulative fatigue and you have to look at other factors and the other big, we've talked about it, you know, um, with the other things that, you know, are you hitting paces, all that other stuff we talked about earlier in the, earlier. Uh, but the big thing I think you have to look at is are you under fueling for what you're trying to accomplish? And most people I would say are in some sort of position where they are a little bit, at least a little bit. Um, so take a good look at that if you find yourself in that situation, because I think this is by far the easiest fix, right? Um, and then you start being more consistent, you start feeling healthier, the training starts actually kicking in. You can probably feel like you can actually do more on less, which is good. And then performances will follow. And that's what we're all looking for, right? So, all right. Hopefully this helps some of you out. And uh, I will talk to you all later. All right. See ya.